0: Good morning everyone Now you're not expecting to see me up here this morning. <laughs> now I'm not expecting to be here very often so uh, my name is Paul real and uh, just I'm just thankful to be here this morning and have this opportunity to talk about finances with you. Uh, very touchy topic um, but we're really going to look to the Lord this morning for our guidance but before we get started I just want to thank Heidi, I want to thank Tammy, uh, I want to thank the, the sound guys, um, I want to thank the group leaders, um, what you have here, don't take this for granted, this is, a, this is really special, this, um, Heidi is an amazing speaker, uh, and what you have in, in Abide, uh, I've heard over the years how, how God has transformed lives through this study and this time, so please don't take this for granted, in your lives. Um, be thankful. Serve wherever you can. Pitch in wherever you can to keep this going. I pray that in uh, future years that this will be something the Lord uses to continue to draw people in our community to, uh, to a gathering of people who love the Lord. So um, just wanted to start out with that and uh, let you know that when I was asked to, to speak today on finances, um, it was first of all my first thought literally that ran through my head was, are you serious? Um, it was incredibly humbling, and, uh, and then I started to get really nervous. Um, so we should do what we always do when we get nervous about speaking or we get nervous about or anxious about anything in life. We should go to the Lord in prayer. So let's do that before um, we get started this morning. Father God, you are good. You are worthy of everything in our lives. Um, Lord, we just, we give you their time this morning. Lord, we want to hear from you and you alone. We don't have the answers for things that life has in front of us. And so, Lord, we look to your scripture. We are guided by your Holy Spirit. And so I pray right now, Lord, that you would remove anything of me in this moment, Um, you would help us all focus. And Lord, I pray that Your Holy Spirit would move in our hearts and lives to reveal to us how we can better honor You with our finances. I pray this in Jesus' name, Amen. All right, so I have a have a lot of friends and buddies um, of mine that that have what I would call normal hobbies. Um, a lot of my friends like hunting and fishing. A few of my buddies like cars and. Uh, some of them are real consistent with working out, and then there's me, um, and one of my hobbies is personal finance, it's really sad, I know, uh, but let me give you an example of, of what this looks like, and how it plays out in our life, so um, this past year, we were, who all, who all saw the solar eclipse, who all witnessed the solar eclipse, okay, that's awesome, um, so, we were vacationing with, um, at the beach, and we have two little boys. And we were just, it was about that time in the afternoon, you know, when it was about nap time. So, we put the boys down, they're napping, here comes the solar eclipse, you know, it's about to happen. And some of our friends start texting us on a group text, and they've got their little sunglasses on, and they're all ready to go and watch the solar eclipse. And so, I texted a picture back of what I was doing. I was happy, I had my coffee. Had my earbuds in, listening to music, and I was working on a personal finance lesson for another church I was going to teach at, and um, so I, I did I mean, that's I enjoy this stuff. I enjoy learning about it. I um, I enjoy trying to help people in any way that I can. I definitely don't have all the answers, and my our life is definitely not all together in this area. But more than anything else, I desire to see people's lives transformed I desire for your finances to be honoring to God and so I desire to see people free from the control that money can have on your life and so that is I mean I'm interested in it and I like it but there's nothing more than I want this morning is for you to be free from the control of money and so although this is my hobby um, I think I can speak for everyone this morning, except for maybe myself, that uh, who, who in here, you know, has time to think about personal finances in your week? You just, it, you don't have time to think about it a lot of times. You're very, very busy. And when I was thinking about this to talk about this morning, I, recently I got to experience a little bit of my, my wife's week. Um, so she was gone out of the country, and, uh, and I had to try to manage the boys, and, and I had a lot of help. So let me just go ahead and toss that out there. But, um, but y'all are, you know, your lives are so busy. You, you know, you're waking up maybe multiple times in the night with kids, um, getting up, feeding them. It's chaos, trying to get them all slammed in the car. and Okay, is so everybody buckled before we start driving down the road? Washing the endless pile of clothes and the endless pile of dishes and cleaning the house and doctor's appointments, grocery shopping, kids' school activities and sports. I mean, and I'm sure I'm missing a ton, so give me some grace here. But you're, you're busy, right? There's no one in here that if I ask the question, who in here is busy, there's no one in here that's not going to raise their hand. Our lives are busy they're exhausting so for some reason when we come to budgeting and we come to finances I pray that you haven't already tuned me out All right? cuz sometimes you just want to throw up your hands and say it's just too much I just can't I can't handle this I can't think about that right now I have too much else going on and I get that but I want to say that all of us have conflicting priorities in our week it's just life we have conflicting priorities and so what gets accomplished is what you, what's absolutely necessary and what you place as a very high priority in your life. Those things get accomplished no matter what else is going on, what is necessary and what you place as a very high priority. So how does something get raised in your life as a higher priority? I think when I was thinking about this, um, for me, I believe you can kind of boil it down to two things. Your eyes are either open to the value of it, something happens, and your eyes are open to the value of it, and so it increases in priority in your life, and you, you proactively act upon it, or something negative happens in your life, and you are more, it's more of a reactive response. You're like, I need to raise this up in my life as a priority because of X, Y, or Z. And so when I think about something being raised as a priority in your life, my my first thought, it really honestly does not go to finances, but it goes to health. Um, So I'm sure there are uh, people in here who've made New Year's resolutions around health. Um, I probably should have made one myself, but, uh, but it's the same way with health, right? You either are proactively see the value in it and you raise the, the value of that in your life and you act upon it in, in some way, whether it's the way you eat, whether it's the way you work out, whatever it is, you act upon that. Or something negative happens, health related, and all of a sudden, you're like, I have to do something. So you, got, you have to make room for this priority to shift up in your life and become a part of your week. So change is not easy, right? You, like we just said, life's busy. So, so putting something up as a priority in your life is, is difficult. Lasting change, I would say, is not fueled by emotions. But it's really fueled by a deep desire and belief that this change in your life is worth it. It'll bring greater satisfaction to your life. And so it's worth the effort, it's worth the sacrifice, it's worth whatever it takes to put it as a priority in your life. So the same is true for finances. Whether it's a proactive response or a reactive response, something has to change. You have to truly believe that the sacrifices it's going to take. For that to become a priority in your life is worth it and it and becomes a greater value to you and so it's worth the effort to make it a priority in your life because it's going to take some sacrifices, it's going to take some time, it's going to take a little bit of your thought to, to, to make this happen. So I could get up here and we could start going through a, a spreadsheet and you all would be asleep in a few minutes and start going through budgeting. But none of that stuff matters, y'all. None of that matters unless you see the reason behind it. If it's not not of value to you and it's not of worth to you, and we're going to talk about, like, why that is the case. And so I have up here, it's, it's about your financial perspective. And as followers of Jesus Christ, our perspective needs to be, our lens that we look through needs to be the Bible. So that's where we're going to focus today. And I want, I'm not here to convince you to like finance. I'm not here to convince you to to enjoy it. (laughs) I am here to open your eyes to the value of it that we see from Scripture. And I pray that the Holy Spirit does that in your heart today because I can't do that with words. So why is personal finance something that, you should place as a higher priority in your life. Well, just kind of like we talked about with health, health affects everything in your life, right? Every aspect of your life. Finances, the same is true. It affects everything. Money is being spent as we speak to try to get y'all some food, okay? So hang in there, (laughs) all right? I mean, finances are being spent when well, the drive over there, someone has a vehicle you're paid for. Some, the gas in the vehicle, the clothes that you have, the, the, the drinks in the back, the lights that are on, it's everywhere. You can't... This is not something in your life that you can just say, I just need to stop dealing with it. I just need to turn and flee totally away from it. You have to learn how to manage it properly because it's everywhere. So, finances will either do one of two things. They will either support what you value in life or they will hinder your ability to pursue what you value in life. Yes, I think that's on your sheet. So I think Julia has a text out of Matthew chapter 6 that, um, do you have that? You have Matthew 25? Well, let me read this one then. So, Matthew chapter 6, verses 19 through 24. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, where thieves do not break in and steal, for where the treasure is, there your heart will be also. God, and money. So, I'm sure many of you, if not all of you, have heard that passage of Scripture before. You've probably heard lessons on it, um, sermons on it. The idea, a lot of times, that we, we, we see clearly from Scripture right here is is about pursuing materialism. We know that's something we, we all have to fight against, especially in our culture, but what, what I want you to think about here as well is there's, a, there's the, the idea or the notion of serving a master, right? Of serving something, of, of being devoted to something or, or maybe being controlled by something. It says you can only serve God or money. You can't serve both at the same time. And so one, th- one thing that really struck me years ago was, was kind of that, this passage and, and when he was talking about that and it just kind of hit me, and, and I was like, wow, this can happen in your life without you even knowing and realizing it. All of a sudden, you can find yourself being controlled by money, being devoted to money. And it may not be a proactive, actively seeking out materialism. It may be a stick in your head in the ground, I don't want to deal with it, and next thing you know debt can creep up in your life overspending then all of a sudden guess what your thoughts start getting consumed with and being anxious about money and then then you start thinking about your job and you're like I need to make more money and so you start getting consumed with thoughts of I deserve to make more money I deserve a promotion and next thing you know guess what your day is being consumed with Thoughts on money. And that is not what God calls us to do with our lives. We know this. He calls us to wholeheartedly pursue him, love others, be generous with others, not have our mind. We're supposed to be meditating on scripture. We're supposed to be praying throughout our day. How can we do this if we're concerned about our finances, if we're consumed with thoughts about it, if we're stressed out about it? next thing you know it's controlling us we're serving it and we're in this spot that we don't really maybe desire to be but it's unhealthy it's not right and then that may be a time when you have to reactively raise that up as a priority in your life and make some changes so finances will either support what you value in life support a life that is devoted to serving jesus christ it will either support that or it'll hinder your ability to do that so i'm clearly from our beginning to of this topic i'm not here and i'm not the best person to teach you how to become a millionaire so that's not my goal here this morning um i want you to put finances in their proper place in your life so that you can serve and honor Jesus Christ with with every aspect of your life. So I I do sympathize with the busyness of all of our schedules but but I urge you to consider how much of a priority this should be in your life and where is it right now as a priority in your life. Whether whether you're making whether you're struggling to get by or whether you have excess. Either way, we're going to see that this needs to be a priority in your life. Put money in its rightful place so you can freely pursue a life that glorifies God. So the first thing I want us to really see is that's our goal, right? That's the why. That's that's the why you should care about budgeting to some extent or, or anything like that. This is the purpose of it. Now let's go in and let's look and make sure we see some other things that Scripture tells us about money. Whose money is it to begin with? seems like such a a simple question. If I passed out a a questionnaire and had everybody answer that question, I I mean, I'd say probably 100% of you would get it right. But let's really think about uh, if that's really true in our lives. Do we really view it this way? So... Worldly thoughts that we encounter and that push into our lives on money are thoughts like, I worked really hard. I work really hard. Therefore, I kind of, I deserve this. It's my money. I mean, I earned it. I'm the one going to work every day. My name's on the paycheck. How about this? Those all sound good. About like, yeah, I know people who are like that. Those first few, you're like, yeah, that's not me. I know people who think that way, but keep 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 talking up there, Paul. Yeah, we'll we'll keep pointing the finger at them. How about this one? I tithe, so it's it's really none of anyone's business what I do with the rest of my money, right? I give I give my tithe to the church, so therefore the rest of it is kind of mine. And you may not you may not literally think that in your head but are you living that way with your life so if we want to get into the topic of tithing y'all don't want to see what the scriptures has to say about that you don't give 10% and you're done everything you have is God's I thought your verse for the week was good Psalms 24 1 the Lord owns the earth and all it contains. You'll think you're blank there as owns. The Lord owns the earth and all it contains. The world and all who live in it. So, now we're to Matthew 25. If, you, if you'll read that, that'd be great. So we're going to read the parable of the talents and we're going to try to draw out some some more um, of what we need to understand about money as it relates to, to this passage.
1: For it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted to them his property. To one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, to each according to his ability. Then he went away. He who had received the five talents went at once and traded with them, and he made five talents more. So also he who had the two talents made two talents more. Here you have what is yours, but his master answered him, You wicked and slothful servant, you know that I reap where I have not sown, and gather where I scatter no seed? Then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers, and at my coming I should have received what was my own with interest. So take the talent from him, and give it to the one who has the ten talents. For to everyone who has will, more be given, and he will have an abundance." But for the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away and cast the worthless servant into the outer darkness. In that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth.
0: Amen. That was really uplifting there at the end, wasn't it? Um, So we see a picture of a master entrusting his resources to his servant while he goes away. Okay. The master is going on a journey. And he entrusts his three servants with his resources. And I want you to make note of one, one part of this story that we see. He doesn't split up his resources perfectly even and give them all to each of his servants. He gives them differing amounts, right? We all get differing amounts of money. We all make differing amounts of money. We're all entrusted with a different amount of God's resources. But nonetheless, we're entrusted with God's resources. What are the resources He's entrusted you with? We're talking about money this morning, so everybody's going to get that right. But He's entrusted you with your time. That's something I was convicted about recently in my life was, was how I was being complaining and stuff about my time. And I just... I don't have as much time to to be in the word as maybe someone else. And their job allows them to read a little more here and there. And I was getting frustrated about that. And the Lord really convicted me and said, you know, even though that's maybe a good thing that I was upset about. The Lord's like, be faithful with what I've given you, Paul. Be faithful with the time that I've given you. Whatever that is in your life, you need to be faithful with that. He's given us physical possessions, a home. Be faithful with how you use that. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ in here, you have been given a spiritual gift. Be faithful with how you use that. He's entrusted that with you. We're called to manage what God has entrusted to us until he returns or we go home to be with him. Jesus is reminding us here in this parable that we simply manage his resources. We don't own anything. I was having this conversation with my son on the way to to school, and I think he understood it. Like, so, I mean, it's an easy thing to understand. It's just, but it's a hard thing to live out. We simply manage it for a brief period of time, and then we leave it, to someone else so does this viewpoint of whose money is it does it change your perspective on how you handle the resources that are entrusted to you it should because when I think about it if the money is mine then no one has a say on what I do with it right no one can no one can step into my life and say hey Paul you should you should maybe consider what you're doing here, if it's my money, then I can spend it however I want to spend it. But if it's God's money, that's a whole different a whole different thing. Then we're just managing his resources. Which kind of brings us to our next point. If we're managing his money and his resources, we are going to be held accountable for how we do it. And we see this in the parable. That he not only divvied up the money in different allotments to everyone, and they went and they managed it the best they knew how, but then the master comes back. And he holds them accountable for what they did with his resources while he was gone. It says in verse 19, Now after a long time the master of those servants came and settled accounts with them. We're going to be held accountable for how we spend our time, how we manage what God has given us from a financial perspective, from a money perspective. We're going to be be held accountable for these things in our lives. The busyness of our lives, I really believe Satan really uses that in our lives to just distract us from what we need to be focused on. The busyness has, has a tendency to cloud your view of what needs to be a proper priority in your life. You get so busy, you're just thinking about what is the next task in front of me. And, you're in your, and you allow things that should be a high priority in your life to be pushed to the side. Because you just, got, you just have to get through the day. You just got to make it. To only do what? (laughs) Do it again the next day, right? So you've got to, at some point, realize there's something much bigger than all of this. So don't get hung up. And this is another thing you see. The master gave out differing amounts to his servants, and they are held accountable for what they have been entrusted to individually. So don't get hung up on what God has entrusted others versus what he has entrusted you you're called to manage wisely what god has given you and that is what you'll be held accountable for the first two servants to- totally different amounts but they both acted in a in a obedient wise manner and managed it appropriately and the master comes back and guess what they both returned to the master differing amounts right they were differing amounts but they got the exact same response from the master because they were faithful with what was given to them the the third servant comes in and he he's basically condemned like there's no other way around it there's no other word for it and and I think it's it's not necessarily for what he not necessarily for what he did but rather for what he didn't do like rather for what he didn't do with what he had been trusted he just he he didn't use God's resources to do something with it for the master right he didn't do anything of worth with what he was given he just buried it in the ground don't take what God's given you and waste it away whatever that is it doesn't have to be just money just think about everything in your life don't waste away what God has given you You've all been given amazing gifts in life. Don't don't be envious of what other people have as gifts in life or what their personality is or their ability to do whatever. You know, man, there's such a, you know, there I just I'm not as good of a mom as they are. Don't get hung up on that stuff. Do the best that you can do with what God has given you. So, don't get caught up with what God has given to others. Comparing yourselves to others only leaves you discontent and envious. Focus on being obedient and faithful with what God has entrusted to you. So, we'll kind of move into the next point here that we're going to focus on is like, where is your focus in life? Where is your focus? You have 1st Timothy chapter 6 verses 6 through 11. I believe this was part of your reading for the week. I thought it was really good so if you wouldn't mind reading that.
1: But godliness with contentment is great gain for we brought nothing into the world and we cannot take anything out of the world. But if we have food and clothing with these we will be content. But those who desire to be rich Fall into temptation into a snare into many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction for the love of money is a root of all kinds of evils it is through this craving that some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pangs but as for you O man of God flee these things pursue righteousness godliness faith love steadfastness gentleness
0: all right So, we ended on a little higher note there. We didn't end on the verses there at the end, like, you know, the pangs and all of that. We just, we said, pursue something else that's really awesome, okay? And that's what we should do. It's not about just stop doing this. The Bible is always saying, okay, don't do this, but rather, don't focus on what you shouldn't be doing. Focus on where you are going, what you should be pursuing. So, Godliness with contentment is great gain. Verse 7, we were reminded again, once again, whose money it is, when it says, for we brought nothing into the world, and we cannot take anything out of the world. That's the thing that I, I mentioned to my oldest son this morning. He, he kind of understood it. I said, what would you bring into this world? He had some quarters and stuff in his, in his room, and he's like, nothing. I said, what are you going to take you know when you leave this world and he's like nothing i said well then this is really not yours then is it you know god owns everything and we're supposed to be responsible with with how we use it and he was and he, and he kind of said like yeah like share with other people i'm like yes yes exactly so let's don't rush past that again it's in it's in the scriptures over and over again um, but what do our lives say right Speaking to myself here as well. What do, what do our lives say? Because we're we're they may indicate otherwise that we're rushing around. We're rushing around, gobbling up everything this world has to offer. And then, we don't we don't have a place to put it all, right? We're like we're shoving it in our garages, parking out on the streets. You know, we're we're putting it in our closets. And then we're like, "Oh, maybe we have some attic space and shove some stuff up in the attic. We're just accumulating all this stuff, and then you know eventually you're like, "Forget it, there's just too much. you know we got we gotta, we gotta rent a, a storage unit. We just get, we gotta get some stuff out of here. Um, you know that that's all of our lives, y'all. When we live in a culture it's just it's just, it's, where, it's what we do, but just just think about that stuff sometimes. be careful, um, be careful that. Now, what I'm saying here is I'm not saying material things are bad, right? God created everything, and it's good. It can be good. But, so material things are not bad inherently. But we are warned over and over in Scripture not to seek them out, not to allow them to become our, where we place our trust. You place your trust in, in the amount of money that you have in your bank account, do Do you place your satisfaction in in things right i mean i I was convicted i'm just telling you about all my convictions this morning but uh <laughs> but but i you know sometimes i'll i work some later nights and um every once in a while at like candace and the kids''ll go to the beach for a few days and then i'll just i'll work work overtime and and try to get some stuff done and you know when I get stressed out and everything you know what I look forward to at night? This is also really, really sad. I, don't, I, I do not have this written down. Um, I look forward to stopping by Chick-fil-A and getting a spicy chicken sandwich combo, going home and watching a, a financial documentary. You know? But what I, what I and this sounds so, so innocent and, and like easy, but you know what? My, that's how I was handling some of my stress. That that's why that's how where I was finding my rest and my comfort, and the Lord showed me that that was wrong. Like that stuff's not wrong. It may be boring, but it's not wrong. <laughs> but that's where I was finding my. So so what is that for you in your life when you're stressed out, when you're when you're worried about things? What are you running to in those moments? Are you running to Jesus? Or are you running to something in this world has to offer? It's only going to leave us empty, y'all. So, verse 8 says, but if we have food and clothing with these, we will be content. Whew, that's a tough one to swallow right there. Um, be honest with yourself right now. I'll be honest. If, if all you had where we're provided food and clothing every day, first of all, that's more than we brought into this world, right? If you provided food and clothing every single day of your entire life, would you find contentment in that? I mean, and I think that, that that's, a, that's a heart check for us of where, where, we, where we are and how far maybe we need to go to, to find our satisfaction in Christ alone. So every once in a while, if you watch the news, if you watch the news a lot, you'll probably get depressed. Um, but if you watch it every once in a while, there'll, there'll be people on there, and they'll talk about, like, they'll have some doctor on there or, or somebody, and they're talking about health, right? And they'll say, the U.S. has an obesity epidemic going on. And, and they'll be talking about that. And, and what, what I think the problem is within the church, when I was working through this, I was like, wow, we, we have not just the church, but, like, as the United States, we really have a discontentment epidemic. Like, we are, we are constantly discontent, constantly. We just want something else all the time. It's just never good enough. And then we get it, and then we just look over there, and someone else has something else that we want, and we want that. And then we get discontent, well, we just bought Just realize that discontentment we often justify with comparisons. We often often justify what we're we're kind of reaching for in life by, by looking at someone else and saying, well, they're godly. And they went and bought that. That's okay. I should be able to do that too, you know? And so maybe instead of prayerfully considering what has God called you to do, in this situation we don't do that a lot of times we kind of look around and, ob- and observe the landscape and we we do what we think is okay based on what other people are doing all c- our culture it's pressing in on on our contentment I mean like that's how companies make money right they want you to be discontent all the time because then you'll go buy something else I mean it's really pretty smart in a lot of ways but um, But it's pressing in on us. And if we're not allowing the Word of God to shape our mind and our thoughts and our hearts, then the culture is shaping it. And they're shaping it with immediate gratification. They're shaping it with, it's your money. They're shaping it with, you've earned it. You work really hard. You deserve it. We we, we talked about this earlier. You need to take time. How does this sound? You need to take time for yourself. You need to take time for yourself and enjoy Enjoy the fruit of your labor, you know, because you deserve it. Isn't it? It sounds like the same lie that Eve heard in the garden, right? Is it not the same thing? It's the same thing. God, hold up. God is withholding something from you. You know. God doesn't want you to to enjoy everything. Like, you, you deserve this. Look at it, right? That's what I told Eve. Look, look at the fruit. It's good. It's pleasing to the eye. He's trying to withhold something he doesn't want you to have. Go get it. Do it. That's, that's what we are being pressed with. So we're constantly being tempted to take a bite and indulge in the message of the culture satisfaction, y'all, apart from God. That's, that's it. That's, that's the temptation. Finding satisfaction apart from God. Be careful. Right? Verses 9 and 10. But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation, into a snare, into many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evils. It is through this craving that some have wandered away from the faith and have pierced themselves with many pangs. So, this is not a lesson this morning, to, and that's not a verse, <laughs> to tell you, eh, be careful, you know, if you if you don't pay attention, and you don't place it as a high enough priority, you might end up in some credit card debt, um, you know, you might you might end up, you know, not being able to pay a bill or two on time. That's not the warning we see here. The warning is really about your soul. the The warning is that you're going to be. Drug away from finding satisfaction in Christ alone. And it can happen so easy. So easy. Living in a way that honors the Lord with our finances is a daily battle. It's a daily struggle. to Dying to yourself and to those desires. Picking up your fall, cross and following Him. I'm not, I'm not saying stop shopping i'm not saying that at all i'm saying manage your resources wisely there may be times when that that is the that is what needs to happen but there may be times when that is perfectly fine you know but you need to you need to trust god with what he's given you and manage it wisely I really like what Philippians 4 says. I'll read it to you here. Philippians 4, chapter, chapter 4, verses 10 through 13. I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at length you have revived your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. Not that I'm speaking of being in need, for I have, this is, this is the really good part, for I, I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low. I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. That's what that verse, that's the context of that verse. Right? Contentment is hard, y'all. It's hard to, to, to rest and, and be content in God. And Our contentment is not found in the highs and lows of life, but it's found in the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, who strengthens us each and every day. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. You can find your contentment in Christ. So I pray that today God would increase the priority of your finances in your life based on what we've just discussed in the Word. Put money in its rightful place so you can freely pursue a life that's focused on God because it will either support what you value in life or it will hinder your ability to pursue what you value in life. Allow finances to support a life devoted to Jesus Christ today. I have a few other things we want to talk about this morning. Are we okay on time to keep, keep going a little bit? So that's that's the foundation, right? That's the foundation. If you don't if if we don't know that and that's not the basis for the practical things in our lives then then we're not doing it for the right reasons. We're going to we're going to get drug into worldly things if we're not doing it for those reasons. So marriage, oneness, I think y'all have already talked about that if, maybe a few weeks ago or something like that. Um, Two people becoming one flesh. Oneness with your spouse spouse applies to all areas of your life, including your finances. But why is achieving oneness so difficult when it comes to finances? Why do you think that is? It's hard, right? Well, I'll give you an example from our life of why that is. Because whether you realize it or not, you, you, may, you may be like, Paul, you don't know me. I, have, I do not care about money. I have no view on it at all. I actually just don't like talking about it, and I wish you would stop talking. <laughs> but that may be your view. But I'm telling you right now, you have a, a, a well-formed view on money. Because, let me give you an example. I grew up with two parents. With, and we had two other siblings, things were pretty tight. So my view on finances began to get shaped by my family, wherever I grew up, my upbringing, right? So I saw that, you know, we didn't go out to eat a lot. We um, we didn't do certain things. We You know, and my dad was also an accountant, so that kind of had a, a little bit to do with the tightness. But uh, <laughs> I figured that out later. But um, so... But it began to shape how I viewed finances. So I became kind of a saver. Maybe that's a nice way to say a hoarder. Um, but I uh, became a, a little more of a saver. And then I'm, I'm coming in, and, and then I go through school, and, I, and I, part of my education is in, is in the kind of finance realm. And so that, the worldly, secular view of business and stuff kind of shaped me a little bit. And then I come into marriage and Candace has a different view of money of, of money right her upbringing she was the only child she was the only grandchild on one side and you know like it wasn't as tight for them <laughs> so um and i knew this coming into marriage this was part of our pre-marriage like counseling like i was like we need to talk about this because i am not your daddy and i am not your gra- grandfather and, and I'm not going to be able to do those things when we first get married. Like I'm, I, like we said, we just God has entrusted you with so much, and it wasn't that much. Um, <laughs> so we needed to talk about that. And what we found out is, it's tough, right? That's a problem. That's a that's a difficulty. You you may live under the same house and you may have signed and said we're married before God, but guess what? If you don't begin to work together and become one under the umbrella of God's perspective of finances and money, if you don't become one underneath that, you're going to be in for some arguments. You're going to be in for some difficulties down the road. Because money is a major cause of issues in marriage. And it's hard to, it's hard to talk about it, right? Right? Because what do we start doing we start talking about money? Or well, we just look at the credit card statement or whatever and say, look, you spent that, right? Black and white. You're the one spending the money. That's why, we're in, that's why we're having issues. And you begin to argue. So my first advice to you is to, as a solution, is we have to look to God for our view. We have to come together in our view and we have to communicate without getting defensive we gotta let that 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 is in every aspect of your life when you communicate about anything about the kids I mean you just have to go in with a non-defensive posture they say something and it just it gets at you and you just wanna fire back and point out all the all the holes in their life you can't do that or you're gonna get you're gonna go nowhere right? And another thing is you don't communicate when you're already mad at each other, right? If you're mad, that is not the time to bring up financial issues in your marriage, right? (laughs) So that means when things are not going that, when when things are going well, you're not going to want to sit down and talk about that stuff because you're rather going to, you're going to want to do something else. But when things are going good, that's when you need to sit down because it's going to be easier for you not to be defensive. So just remember that communicate without getting defensive because our goal is our marriage represents Christ in the church right we want to protect that that is a beautiful a beautiful thing our, our marriage is a beautiful thing and an example to the world of Christ in the church we don't want to allow money to drive a wedge between that and be a terrible example to those who may be able to see Christ through the way we live in our marriage. So we want to protect that the best we can so we're going to communicate without getting defensive. We're going to we're going to compromise on our preferences. Now, when I say compromise, not compromise the biblical view of finances that we discussed. But we're going to compromise our preferences. What do you prefer? Right. So what I had to do and what Candace had to do is we had to come and kind of meet together a little bit. I was probably on the negative end of trying to save too much and and probably being more, you know, unhealthy and like being like I would probably get to where I would love my bank account or love money. Right. In that way. So I need to get rid of that. I needed to not hold and cling to that and and spend a little more in some areas. And then Candace had to come the other way. She had to meet me there in the middle and say, we need to manage this together and say, maybe, maybe we, need to, we don't need to go get everything that we want. We need to be a little more wise with that. So what does that look like for us? And, and it takes work and communication and compromise. And consistency is key. Consistency is key. You have to talk about this stuff. You have to keep it up. It doesn't just happen in one, one conversation and you're good and you're set for life. I mean, we know that. It's all about marriage. Marriage is work. It is constant. So we've kind of dipped in away from like the foundational, the way you need to view things, and we've kind of come into this area of talking about marriage where it's more, a little more practical, right? This is day-to-day type of stuff that you're having to deal with. And now we're going to briefly, really briefly, walk through the other practical stuff. Um, so, budgeting. You hear that word, it probably just makes you like, mm. you know, like um, you think, you may think in your mind, restrictive, maybe it's annoying. Uh, those are maybe words that come to your mind right now, and you really, really don't want to move forward. But we're going to. So, let me let me ask you something who who all drove here today okay all right as you drove to church did it feel really restrictive when you're driving here did did you feel restricted did you feel like super annoyed while you're driving here no not really okay yeah pleasant drive maybe had a little music on singing in the car right well guess what you're probably wondering why in the world am i asking you this But I'm talking about all the lines on the road. There's lines everywhere on the road. Did y'all not see them? They're everywhere. (laughs) And they're constantly telling me, I can't go over here, and I have to go this way. And they're directing everywhere I'm going. And and I'm just, I'm I'm really really annoyed with it, all these restrictions. And I'm considering, since Candace and I didn't ride together, I'm considering on the way home, I'm just going to ignore all those rules. I'm just going to drive wherever I want because I want to do it. And I'm probably going to get in a wreck and hurt myself or someone else, right? Well, I want you to to think about this the same way when you think about budgeting. Budgeting are like those lines on the road. They're there to help you. They're there to guide you so that you safely arrive at your destination. They're not there to be restrictive and they're not there to annoy you. Budgeting is there to put some structure around your finances to help you. You need to look at budgeting as a tool that you use. It's not pressing into your life. You're using that so that you can then get money and push it down in this proper place so that you can focus on glorifying God with your life. You want to get to where you got your bills on auto pay. You don't know when your paychecks are hitting. Because you've pushed everything down and you've suppressed it to the point where you, you don't It doesn't matter. There's money in the bank because you're not spending it all. Because you've got everything on auto pay and then you have some variable expenses. Those are the ones you need to put your focus on. Because those are the ones that are your day in and day out expenses. So when we think about drafting up a budget, you've got how much money comes in. You know, and you, so you got to kind of figure out what that is. Maybe it's very consistent. Maybe it's not. Always go on the end of conservative. What I mean by conservative is try to live off of less than you make. So, like, trick yourself. That's what I do. It's really easy for me to trick myself. But, but just trick yourself. Like, okay, like, if you um, – I get a bonus at work. And just the structure of the way it is – you know, it's a, it's a decent percentage of what my total pay is. So guess what? I act like I don't have, I don't get that, right? Although I do. But I act like I don't. And so I set up my budget off my paychecks, okay? Maybe you get paid every other week. Um, well, guess what? That happens more than, uh, when you average it out over the whole year, that happens more than twice a month, right? So trick yourself. Set your budget off of, those, off of two paychecks a month. Right? So then there's going to be a couple times a year you're going to get an extra paycheck. Guess what, that, guess what you've just done? You've just built a financial buffer or financial margin into your life. Okay? And so that's what you're trying to do is you're trying to set things up because you don't want to stress about money. You, your thoughts need to be on Christ. Your thoughts need to be on what He desires for you to do that day. Not about how much do I have in my bank account? Am I going to you know, bounce this check or whatever. Does anybody write checks? Sorry, that was a bad example. No one writes checks. Um, so, uh, so one thing I'll just give you one like real practical thing that Candace and I are doing right now. So we—I was convicted um, this past fall when I was preparing another finance lesson for another church that I was going to speak at, and and I was really convicted about those those grocery costs those um, eating out expenditures, the miscellaneous, those are our kind of our three big buckets that we spend week in and week out. Everything else is somewhat fixed. I mean, you know, utilities goes up, go up, goes up and down, but it's, you know, over the year, it kind of averages out. So I was really convicted about that. So we have, so I have some options on here of like methods you can use, right? And so the one, the expenses I'm talking about right now are variable. And so they fluctuate based on your contentment <laughs> a lot of times. Um, and so what, what Candace and I did is we kind of used this, what I call a hybrid method. So we put everything on auto pay, all our bills on auto pay because we have a budget. We know how much is coming in. Put everything on auto pay except for these variable expenses. We used to use our credit card for everything and get points on it because um, we were like, that's smart, that's being wise, getting a little extra money here for just spending money but what we found out was then we were going over quite a bit and it, it, when I was studying I was like man I'm like how can I teach on this and not be not be doing it handling my money wisely um, and so the Lord really convicted me And so we take out cash now so this is what we do we take out cash maybe something you can implement and we say we know how much we need for but for groceries for the month we know how much we need for for eating out for the month we know how much we need for miscellaneous but when you view the month you get in trouble sometimes right you get about that third week and you're like oh i got like 25 bucks left for groceries next week and so what do you do you just get very very spiritual and you fast as a family right <laughs> no you you go buy groceries because you're hungry and and then you and you overspend so what what has really helped us was there's, there's this, um, this YouTube video from this lady, and, uh, and she, you know, probably not a believer, but it's very good <laughs> practical help. So if you want that link, ask Candice, ask me. We can send it to you. But she talks about how you take it and break it down into one week. So whatever your, your amount is for the month, you know, take, it, take that grocery number for the whole year and divide it into 52 weeks. And then you take out cash. So Candace and I, and we don't do all the envelopes. If you do the envelopes, that's awesome. You have to do what works for you. You've got to figure it out. We're busy, right? So you've got to figure out how detailed you want to be. We take out cash for groceries, eating out, miscellaneous. All right? And, and we don't put it in the envelopes. She's, Candace just puts it in her wallet. Um, so please don't jump her after. <laughs> the, so, uh, but, uh, so, she, and, and we, and we, Look at that, and we look at it one week at a time. Well, guess what? If you get to Saturday, and you're really low and really tight, which happens fairly frequently to us, if you're tight on it, then guess what? You just don't go out to eat, right? If you're tight on it, you just take it out of that discretionary piece, that eating out, that miscellaneous, because you, you, you know you're going to probably buy groceries. So you never borrow money from the groceries of the next week. You don't go over on your groceries this week and say, well, I just gotta do, I gotta make up for it next week. Because guess what, that's really hard. So you borrow from the real discretionary area of eating out and miscellaneous. Like if you've been budgeting for a while, like to me that was like a pfft moment, like it seems very simple. But you just, you don't, I used to always roll everything over in a website called Mint. So we kinda track everything in Mint and it can roll over your categories. And so if we went over in groceries, we'd be like, well, we just got to gotta tighten up and make it up. It just doesn't happen. And so after a few months of that, we would just be like, all right, let's just start over. <laughs> start over. Uh, we will just take out of savings, start over. Um, so, but this has really helped us. So you've got to figure out what works for you, okay? So that's what works for us right now. And we're trying to do the best we can in managing what God's given us. There's a couple tools here. You can use the envelope method, which is a cash method you can use Excel, I don't know why I put it on there, but in just in case some of you like Excel, um, you can use mint.com, it's free, and uh, it connects into your bank accounts and your credit card, it's very, it's as safe as anything else is right now, y'all. Your, all your information's out there, if you didn't know that, I'll just let you know today that everything's out there already. Um, so connect in, and guess what, it's actually helpful because you're going to see if some if some expenditure comes in that that you didn't spend, so you don't have to wait for your credit card statement to come. So, track it through Mint. You can track it through every dollar. is another site you could look at to consider. You could track it through. You need a budget. So every dollar, it, uh, you can do a free version, and then there's a fee a fee based version. Um, Candace and I use Mint for the most part, but now that we've really been doing that cash piece of our budget, everything else is pretty much fixed. So it's just kind of there's not a whole lot to track. Um, and then You Need a Budget is also a fee-based version. A guy at, at my work is like obsessed with it. He he's like convinced he's going to switch me from Mint to it, and I'm like, no, dude, I've been doing Mint for like eight years. I'm not doing. I'm not switching. So um, then we'll we'll blow through savings and retirement. So you're gonna build in savings into your budget, and then you also need to trick yourself like we talked about, Um, you know, whether it's with your paychecks, you know, setting it up off off less paychecks than you really are gonna get throughout the year. Um, Tax refund, don't blow your tax refund, okay? If you get a tax refund, let that be built-in savings. Um, Because it will be savings if you stay within your monthly expenses each month, then guess what, you won't be paying off debt that you already built up over the year it'll just be extra (coughs) bonus and then set goals set goals like if you need to build up an emergency fund if you need to save for a car if you need um, to save for college for kids college for kids let me just throw this out there comes behind um like saving putting money back for retirement Um, so that's like a a personal finance thing so uh, but saving for kids for college can be a goal that you do and then you should have some spiritual goals in here as well. You should have some, some goals to be generous, right? You want to build in excess into your life so that you can be generous with others. If there's meals needed, if there's um, you know, breakfast needed, if there's whatever, you need to be build in generosity into your life. So build a fund that you have, and then a need arises. And how many times has a need, need arose through, through this body of, of believers, and you're just like, oh, man, I really wish I could help them out. Um, we're just so tight right now. We just can't, you know? You build that fund of, of money, and it's just like you, you can respond then. You can respond as needs arise. Retirement, start early. Compound interest <coughs> is your best friend. You know, you can look up some stuff on compound interest, but it just builds. So the, longer, the earlier you start, the faster it builds. As believers, <coughs> we don't believe in, like, the, the worldly type of retirement. Um, we believe that, you know, you're, we're called to, to, be, to be working all the time in some capacity. You may retire from your, your job. I may retire from my job at Duke Energy, but I'm going to spend that time working for the Lord elsewhere. Um, so that al- this will allow you to do that. How much should you save? They say the targets around 15%. That would include your company match. And I'll just put a plug in there for your company match if you if you have one. If your husband has one, please do everything you can to take advantage of it. It is literally free money. Free. Free money, okay? So take it. Be thankful for it. Okay? Put your money in so you get it. Um, All right. In closing, you know, we want to do this for the right reasons. You want to do all of this so that you can honor God and serve God with your life. Um, You want to prioritize finances for that reason and only that reason. You cannot serve God in money. You need to remember that everything is God's to begin with. He has entrusted you with it, so manage it appropriately because we will be held accountable for it. Remember, these things will help us keep a, a proper financial focus. And so um, I think I skipped this part on your, on your handout now. I just remembered it. But contentment is keeping your focus on God and what he's provided for you. Whereas comparison, comparison is when your, your focus shifts off of God and onto others and yourself. So remember that. Contentment keeps your focus on God and being, and being what he's entrusted to you. Comparison shifts your focus off of God and onto yourself and others. Godliness with contentment is great gain. So with that, I pray that the Lord will use some of this in your life to, um, to make some changes proactively and uh, that you will honor the Lord with your finances. So let's, let's close in prayer. God, you are good. We are, we are thankful for this time this morning. Thank you for the opportunity to be here and discuss um, finances. Lord, we are in constant need of you each and every day. Um, Lord, we, can, we can't ever put anything on autopilot in our lives. We need to get on our knees every morning and ask you to guide us and lead us by your Spirit. And that, that includes um, even our finances. And so we pray um, that you would work by your Holy Spirit in our lives in this area. In Jesus' name, amen. Own it all and reign supreme. Conquer every power. Let no